Oh, that's great. I'll tell you, you can't do better than have your son introduce you. That's, that's for sure. He, he said that about exactly the way I wrote. You left out a couple of things, Dave. Uh, kids, you can't trust them. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, you, you guys have come a long way from Quincy Avenue and Naperville North uh, Gymnasium to... really great. A quick show of hands today. Who here remembers the magic eye pictures? I know some of you are too young, but (laughs) magic eye pictures. Well, we've got an example of one on the screen, I think, right now. At first glance, these magic eye pictures look like simple two-dimensional images of a bunch of shapes or colors. But if you allow your eyes to focus in just the right way, You almost have to get your eyes crossed. You probably then are going to be able to see something that will suddenly move from two-dimensional to three-dimensional, and you'll maybe see a flower or a planet or a person or an animal or whatever. And some of you are already saying, Earl, that is so 1990s. (laughs) You're right. These pictures were really popular back then. And as a matter of fact, that's one reason why I can do it, because I think I remember doing this, and I still remember the technique for doing it. So as I looked at these, I, it was pretty easy for them to bring back to me. But I have a hunch that it would be very difficult for you. Anybody seen this one yet? Have, you, have anybody been able to see what it is? I can't see if your hands are. I don't see a hand up. I have a suspicion that you're so far away you probably couldn't. Now, I'm told this one is a rather easy one. And some of you are saying, well, sure, it's easy if all you're supposed to see is a bunch of stars. Anybody see anything more? I don't know why, but I did and was able to see this one. And here's what you're supposed to see. You're supposed to see a planet with a ring around it. It looks kind of like Saturn. Let's try one more, okay? How about this one? Some of you are probably getting eye strain already, aren't you? or vertigo, or worse. This one is a dog. You should be able to see a dog. At least that's, does that look like a dog to you? (laughs) Well, the internet never lies, so I guess that's what it is. Now, I've got one more for you. Look at this one. Now, I admit to you that this particular one is going to be extremely difficult. In fact, I found this very hard, uh, almost impossible to figure out. And so I'm not even going to make you look at this one very long. I'm just going to show you quickly. Here is what it is. Okay, there. (laughs) Did you find that one hard? No one was able to see that? Well, maybe if you had a little more time, you could. Who knows? Well, in his book, The Blue Parakeet, Professor Scott McKnight compares our reading to the Bible to these magic eye pictures. He says that sometimes the challenge of reading scripture can feel like trying to turn two-dimensional words on paper into three, a three-dimensional encounter with God. It's a beautiful way of picturing it, isn't it? We read the words on the page, but we find it hard to see meaning and depth and, percept- and perspective behind them. And as a result, we struggle to get the wisdom that we so desperately need from God. Every day. Now, this is our last message in what we're calling the Word series. We've been focusing on the Bible and how, as Christ followers, we need to hear from God every single day. 
I think you would agree that most of us want to hear from God daily, but we often get frustrated in trying to understand just what God's trying to say to us. And part of the challenge is that we're mostly interested in getting information from God or about God. While on the other hand, he is primarily interested in developing a relationship with us. We just want to know a little bit more about him. We would just like to have uh, God to be like an ATM machine, you know, where you stick in the problem and out comes the answer. While he, on the other hand, is saying, oh, I created you. I just want to have a relationship with you. And the best way to have a relationship with you is, is through this book, isn't it? God really, really wants to be known. And every day he speaks to us in a variety of ways, but the most accessible and the most neglected way, every study shows that people who call themselves Christ followers don't spend much time reading this book. They just kind of depend on the preacher to spoon feed them on the weekend. And that's never going to be enough. So let's approach the Bible, first of all, with a desire to get to know the Heavenly Father, because that's what it's really about. There's a verse in Psalms that I want us to look at this morning that would be a good one for you to memorize. Now, Psalms is a collection of poems and songs. Many of them were written by King David, in the, old, the greatest king in the Old Testament. And he was just a fascinating person. And he did some of the most amazing feats. We all know the story of how he took down to Goliath, <laughs> the giant, the eight-foot giant with a sling and a stone. He also killed a bear and a lion. And you're saying, oh, I've read about other people killing a bear and a lion. That's no big deal. In fact, I had a friend once that did that with their bare hands. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> right? The Spirit of God came upon David in such a powerful way that he was able to do that. He became one of the greatest kings the nation of Israel ever knew. He led them to be the greatest nation on earth. But... And with humans, there's always the but, isn't there? But he also had some massive lapses in judgment. He had an affair with a woman while her husband was off fighting the enemy. And then when she became pregnant, he tried to cover up his adultery by having her husband to move to the front lines so he would be killed. It worked. It worked perfectly, just like David imagined. Put him up at the front lines, withdraw from him, make sure that He'll be in a dangerous situation, and he was killed. But even so, for the most part, David had an unusually close relationship with God. Oh, I tell you, he went through a tremendous period of, of great repentance and, and drawing back to God after his sin. And so much so that he became known as the man after God's own heart. And much of the Psalms gives us an inside look at the peaks and the valleys of David's life and how he interacted with God. In one Psalm, David says this, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. This seems to imply that if I just get enough scripture in my head, then I won't give in to temptation, doesn't it? That all I need to do is just memorize a verse of scripture for every temptation that might come my way and presto, you know, I'm going to be able to overcome that. Now, it's a good idea to memorize scripture to help deal with temptation. But it is a poor understanding of sin. You see, sin isn't just acting in ways that are counter to what God wants. Sin is living and thinking and acting in such a way. Are you ready for this? 
that it puts distance between you and God. Sin is relational. Christ followers, the reason we need to have God's word in our heart is to keep us growing closer and closer to him. Minimizing any distance that's been put between he and us. So what we are emphasizing today is engaging with scripture so that it becomes so meaningful, a part of our lives that it draws us closer to God. That's the real key to prevent sin. We don't want to do anything that would damage the relationship we have with him. I wouldn't want to do anything to damage the relationship that I have with my wife, Pat, or my son, Dave, or John, or Debbie, my daughter. We ought not to want to do anything that would damage this relationship or create distance between us and God. He loves us that much. He created this. And I I just picture God looking and saying, you're my child. I created you. I love you. I just want us to get to know each other. Today, we're going to get very practical. I wonder, wonder, before I do that, I want to mention this. In James chapter 4, and that's the book of James we've been looking at, it says, submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. I like that. Today, we're going to get very practical, and, we'll pro- and you're going to probably feel like this is more of a workshop uh, than a teaching. And I'd encourage you to grab a pen and take some notes if that will help you along the way. We're going to learn a simple method this morning for reading and reflecting on Scripture. You didn't know you were coming to, for some classroom work today, did you? But you are. Um, we want to make Scripture move from just being words on a page, from information to becoming a multifaceted relational interaction with your Creator. Now, we've invited two friends. I don't, haven't met them yet. <laughs> Over here on the couch. And these two friends are going to be doing something uh, in the next few moments. They're going to be working on the passage of Scripture from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And then I'm asked them to journal about it. And then a few moments, they're going to come up here and tell us what they learned from God's word from that passage. Now, the question for the rest of us today is how do we meaningfully interact with the Bible? How do we begin to look at Scripture in a brand new way? Well, I want to propose that we use a method to interact with the Bible that consists of three very simple steps. (laughs) It's not rocket science, folks. Read it, reflect on it, and respond to it. Read it, reflect on it, and respond to it. Let's start with the first step, read. Some of you are saying, hey, I'm I'm good. I got that one down. I can read. (laughs) Not so fast. You see, before we even start to read the Bible, there are three, I think really four things that we need to consider. And the first one, or the first and second one is pick a time and place. Now, this might sound really simple, but it's actually very important to think through a time of day in which it's the best time for you to meet with God. And I'm saying that if you just think that you're going to find some time in a day, forget it. It'll never happen. You have to pick a time. Don't forget I said that. You also need a place. I have a time right after I have breakfast in the morning. I filled up, I don't know how many of these. I could probably have a stack about this high right now. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying that this, it's that important to me. I have to do it. 
I have to do it to maintain a relationship with my Heavenly Father. I meet in the corner of our bedroom. I have a little glider there that I'll have to set in, lamp on either side, a little table like this, this open. And I'll listen to it. We're going to talk about how you can do that too. Right here, first I hear it read to me, then I read it, think about it, reflect on it, and, and respond to it. So pick a time and place. The second thing you need to do is to choose a translation of the Bible. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the different value of certain translations of the Bible. Because you can make a lot of arguments for different ones. But let me just simply say that if you're having a struggle on that, I would suggest the New International Version of the Bible. Why? Because that's what we use here. Uh, so you'll find that uh, we're referring to it very often. Secondly, it's in a language that's easy to understand. And thirdly, it's also, uh, it, it really stays true to the original languages of which the Bible was written in. You know, it wasn't written in English. It was written in Hebrew and, and Greek and Aramaic. And so it, it really stays true to what was actually written. And then the third thing we should do before we read is choose a Bible reading plan. Bible reading plans are helpful because they direct our reading according to a theme or through the sections, different sections of the Bible. And there are tons of uh, good Bible reading plans out there. I think a lot of the people here at CCC use the U version. I personally like the Bible Gateway. Now, these are apps you can download on your smartphone, and they just you, you will be amazed at the opportunity to, uh, for study and understanding and commentaries, but especially some wonderful Bible reading plans there. So do that. Now, let me just hasten to say this. I know some people say, oh, listen, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to start out by Genesis and read all the way through to Revelation. That may be great. And there's a few of you that can pull that one off. But most of you are going to find yourself drowning about Leviticus and Numbers. That's right. It's kind of like driving from here to California. You know, you, you start out and everything is great and wonderful and all of a sudden you hit the Death Valley in the desert there, you know, before you can get to the land of the oranges and the palm groves. Well, that's Leviticus and Numbers, friends. A lot of good intentions have died right there in that desert. That's why I think you need a Bible reading plane. Our church also has a Bible reading plan that we encourage you to use. And what's cool about ours is that sometime, it sometimes follows along with the big idea. For example, uh, you got this uh, bookmark. Did you not get that this with you? Yeah, you got the bookmark. And, and you've been able to follow along in the book of James as we've been, uh, been studying uh, through that. So, with our three, really four things in mind, time, place, translation, the Bible reading plan, let's talk about the first one, which is read. Remember, as we approach God's word, we're not just reading words on a page. You're entering into a relational conversation with the God who loves you. So read the passage slowly. Read it like it's a love letter. Read it more than once. Pay attention to words or phrases or verses that stick out to you. Pay attention to the verbs and words such as therefore or because. And then do this. Write out the verse or verses that really speak to you. That's what I do. There's something about writing the verse that I always see things that I'd never see just reading or even just or hearing them read to me. And often this is God's way, I think, of drawing our attention to something that he's trying to communicate. And once we've read, the next step in our method is to reflect. Simply stated, this is taking the time to meditate on what you've read and what you've written down. 
or think deeply about it. Start by considering these questions, and they're on your bookmark. Is there a command here to obey? Is there a promise here to claim? Is there a sin here to avoid? Is there a lesson here to learn? Is there a new truth to carry with me? Keep in mind, the goal is to grasp the meaning of the text as God intended it. We're not to go to the Bible looking for a proof text for what we want it to say. We go to the Bible letting it speak to us. That's the way God speaks into our hearts, into our minds. And as you reflect on the word, phrase, or passage you wrote down, ask yourself, what was it about that verse that made it stick out to me? Trust God to lead your thoughts as you open yourself up to hear from him. Write out a few sentences on what you think he is saying to you. I, I choose to write it out as a prayer, kind of talking to God back in, a, in the form of a prayer. I just start out, Father, and then I, I, away I go. Maybe that will work for some of you as well. I hope so. And then the last step is to respond. This is a step a lot of us forget or pass up, but it's very important. You see, this is the step where we take what we read and heard from God and then we respond to him in this relational kind of, kind of a conversation. And as you do that, ask yourself, how does this verse or this passage apply to my life? What about it really encouraged me or challenged me? And what should I do differently because of what I just heard? In this last step, as I said, I think it's a good idea then to write out some kind of a short prayer as you're responding to what you just heard. Ask God to help you. And then thank him for speaking into your life that day. Now, I piled a bunch of information on you this morning. And I want to give each of you a chance to try what we've talked about. And in just a few moments, I want every one of you to pick up the handout. You've got a handout there, right? James 5.3. How many of you have that? Everybody got it? Okay. I want you to pick that up. And I want you to commit yourself to spend about five or six minutes, when I get finished with the message, working on that handout. And asking those questions that we've talked here. Reading it, reflecting on it, and responding uh, to it. Okay? Are you all in on that? I hope so. Now, having said that, we have some people who have had a little advantage and some time to do some stuff on that. I have not met our friends here, but I'm going to ask them if they would be willing to come up. And uh, if I can get this out, come right on up. And the first thing I'd like to find out is your name is? Um, Hubert. Hubert? Yeah. Hubert? Tangi. Tangi? Tangi. Hubert and Tangi, thank you for being uh, vi victims, I started to say. That <laughs> wouldn't really work, would it? <laughs> okay. As you read this passage of, of uh, Scripture, Tangi, um, I would like to know what really jumped out at you as you read that? There were several things. If I just pick one off the top of my head, it's the power of prayer. The power in prayer. Wow, that's yeah. great. Okay. Yeah. What really jumped out at you there, Hubert? Yeah, I likewise noticed the power of prayer, but something that really stood out to me is how this passage, how James uses this passage to really relate to everyone. And so what I noticed, a couple of things that I circled um, are the words in trouble, and then happy, and uh, sick. And I just feel like everyone could, uh, could relate to that, because have you been in trouble at some point? I think most people would probably say, yeah, maybe you are in right now. Um, I'm sorry, happy. Have you been happy? So I feel like I'm even sick. I feel like you can really, anyone can relate to this. So it really kind of levels the playing field, and then it really jumps into the, the, power, the power of prayer. Wow. 
Good, very good. And um, what did you feel like that God was saying specifically to you, Tangi? Um, I think, well, in my response, I think what I concentrated on most was just, help, Lord, help me to remember the value of the power of prayer and the bond that it, it brings between him and I. Okay. Would you mind to read your response? I just read that. Yeah, that I wrote. just, I, the, I wrote, Lord, help me value the power of prayer and the bond that it brings between us through trouble or happiness. Okay, excellent. Would you like to read your response? Um, yeah, mine's a little bit, a little bit lengthy, but I'll read a part of it. <laughs> okay. Um, God, my Heavenly Father, I praise and I thank you for your word. I thank you for your ultimate sacrifice. And I come before you asking that you teach me how to pray in faith. Cleanse me and make me a righteous person. Wonderful. Let's give them a good hand. I think they did a great job. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's terrific. Yeah. And there you can kind of get an idea of what we'd like for each of you to do yourself. We won't call you up here to make you read your response, but we know that it's, it's going to be important to you that, you that you do it. I'd like to close this morning by just telling you a couple of stories. About 12 or 13 years ago, I was in the 35th year of ministry with the Deer Creek Christian Church, a church that Pat and I had started. And I'm not exactly sure why, but I just felt like it was time for me to move on. I was ready for a change. But I still wanted to serve the Lord in some way. I wanted to, I always said I wanted to leave a church before the church wanted me to leave. I began to work part-time for a church planning organization called Ignite as a mentor to young church planners, a job I thoroughly enjoyed. I also enjoyed teaching classes at colleges. But what I did not know was that God was preparing me for a ministry that I would never have considered. May I tell you how? <laughs> okay. Well, while at Deer Creek, I had a Tuesday morning small group that met in the Stegertown restaurant. And this small group consisted of two guys from the church, a minister from the congregational church there, uh, a, a funeral director, undertaker there that owned the funeral home there in town, and, uh, and myself. And I noticed on a couple of occasions that we, as we would meet on Tuesday morning in our small group, uh, that a man that I had recently baptized would be eating breakfast there at that time. And I'd like to tell you that I went over and invited him to join the group, but I didn't. I think it was about the second time or third we noticed him there. Uh, he came over to us and he said, what are you guys doing? And we told him, well, we're, it's kind of a, a lightweight, small group. We just talk about life and, and the challenges and pray for each other. And that's about it. And he said, can I join your group? <laughs> and of course, we were pleased to have him do so. A short time later, he moved from our community to one of the western suburbs, and I lost complete track of him. It turns out he moved into a community called Carillon, a gated 55-plus community of a little less than 4,000 people down in Plainfield. And being a CPA, he wound up on the community board there, and, of course, they made him the treasurer. And he had a lot of influence on that board. People respected him, listened to him. A new group had petitioned the board to have a worship service in the clubhouse theater in Carillon, and the story I got is that it was Bill's encouragement and vote that convinced an otherwise reluctant board to allow this to happen, a worship service in the clubhouse theater there in Carillon. Sometime later, Joe Sutherland, who was preaching or teaching there at Carillon, decided to move and approached me about coming to Carillon. 
My first response, not interested. A gated community? Who are you trying to keep in or keep out? No kids? Not interested. But Joe was persistent. Come and visit. He said, you'll like it. And you can work with your sons and your grandchildren. Well, finally we decided, maybe that wouldn't be too bad. And so we decided to move there. And the rest is history. We have absolutely loved every moment of being in Carillon. And we love the people of that community. And we now have about 250 people who would call CCC at Carillon their home. We can't go outside of... We can't go outside of Carillon to invite people to come in by the board's request. Um, But if you have some relatives or friends living in Carillon, please tell them about us, would you? Now, it wasn't until sometime later that it hit me how God had gone ahead of Pat and me and prepared a place for us. What's the odds that a person that I baptize on the south side moving over into the Carillon and being in a position on a board to influence the decision for that board to make the decision to allow a worship service to happen in that that community. What do you think the odds are? It kind of sounds orchestrated, doesn't it? And that's exactly what I believe happened. You see, things like this seem to happen to Pat and to me. Kind of seem to happen to Dave, too. He gave me permission to tell you this story. One day, I don't know exactly why, but he, what, there was a particular person, a very important person, that he wanted to reach to ask some question that apparently meant a great deal to him. I don't know the details of that, and it's okay. But he didn't know how to get in contact with this person. If he called the general line, that he probably would get back to him in who knows when or maybe never. And he said, all of a sudden, a phone number came to his head. A phone number, friends. He dials the number. The guy answers. And the guy said, how did you get this number? This is my private phone number. There's only a handful of people that know this number. You know what? I think I can tell you the answer. The reason things like this happen and things like every so often, you know, I have this feeling, I need to go see somebody. I need to make this phone call or I need to be at the hospital. I have arrived at the time people were just leaving this world and marvel at the fact that I felt moved by God in some way to be there. These kind of things happen to people who have a relationship with the Father. An everyday, ongoing relationship. You can have that kind of relationship with him. Wouldn't you like to have that feeling? You know, I haven't heard voices. Only one time did I think I heard a voice. But most of the time, it's just this kind of uh, uh, sudden awareness of someone or something that needs to be done or people who need to be helped. I want to hear from God. You know... One of my favorite verses of scripture is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. The message translation of this makes it really clear. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He is the one who keeps you on track. When Moses, the great lawgiver of God, this mountain of a person in the Old Testament... One of the last things Moses told Israel before he died. He had reminded them of the law of God. And here's what he said. 
He closed by saying, I have set before you life and death. Love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Isaiah made it even clearer when he said to Israel, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much today for your love for each one of us. And Lord, it's hard for us to understand why you, the creator, would care so much about us. Humans. Frail, sinful humans. But you do. And the cross shows how much. And Lord, there's so much there for us to to have from you if we just reach out and take it. And now, Lord, as we lead into this study right now, James chapter 5, each one of us, in the next few minutes, I pray that you'll help us to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears to you and hear that voice that says, turn this way or that way. In Jesus' name.